they had these studios I could book out all through the school with all different kinds of consoles and tech. And it was like, okay, well, I'm just going to book out the studio and then sit there and learn how to use each console. And then you kind of get an understanding of signal flow and how a studio works. And that was crucial. I'm so grateful for that. He's from Downing, California. He's a founding member of the band No Wind. Please welcome Danny Nagaris to the podcast. How are you doing today? I'm doing great. Thank you for having me. Yeah, thank you so much for coming on. Uh, I I found out about you from your debut album, uh, Downey, named after the uh, town you're from. What kind of went into that? Why like why did you kind of decide to name it Downey? Like, was that a plan from the start, or did that kind of take form after starting production on the album? Uh, it was a plan from the start. Uh, a lot of stuff with No Win kind of starts the idea the fully formed idea kind of comes first and then songwriting and production helps to inform and fill out that world that i've kind of like thought up in my mind so with with downy the record a lot of the songwriting had to deal with like nostalgia and kind of i don't know i wanted to make this like um wanted to make this like certain kind of indie rock record that i grew up loving um when i lived there and also a lot of that the imagery and art from those records in that time was uh you know kind of centered on like this mid-century um americana vibe so sort yeah. of you know almost suburban mid-century americana which downey yeah. was very much when i grew up like it, it comes from that era um and yeah so it, it kind of all like informed like the art and the name informed the songwriting but the songwriting also like went back and reinformed the art it all it just kind of all worked as one as i made it Mm-hmm. And yeah. so, like, maybe it was in Downey. What was your first like experience with music like? Did you kind of grow up uh, learning an instrument, anything like that? What kind of first got you into making music? Yeah, um, I got my first guitar uh, as like an early Christmas present uh, when I was like in seventh grade. And I don't know. I knew that I was like obsessed. And I really wanted a guitar, and I had already gotten into like you know I had been listening to like nirvana records and blink 182 records and i was already like a big rock and i grew up listening to k-rock here in in la and um yeah i just always wanted a guitar and then i learned played guitar all the time started bands as soon as i had enough friends who played the instruments to have a band um yeah so it was just kind of always there and uh i feel like it was it was something i always wanted to do and i always associated with it, like I always associated it with getting out of Downey. Not that I didn't like it there, but yeah. it felt like I grew up in these like kind of smaller schools, and there was always like like I couldn't even start a band till I got to high school because there just wasn't a drummer in yeah. in my world. And it was like so I always associated it with like there's a bigger world out there, the world of like rock and roll and bands going on tour. And I grew up going to shows, and I just knew it was like this big, beautiful world I wanted to join. Yeah. So you kind of yeah. you kind of wanted like a band setting from the start or was there ever a moment where you were yeah. kind of like a solo project solo artist kind of vibe um i mean like no win started as a solo project but it needed the band to be done like there was yeah. always a cast of musicians that would be around and in it and like even when i did make more solo focused music like in high school when i was out of a band 
and I decided, okay, I'm just going to go to my room with my eight track. Like it was always guitar based and, you know, it was quieter and it, and it was like acoustic, but it was, it's always been in the realm of like instruments and yeah. things like that. And so, I mean, this new album we made is very different from that, but like, it was always a band. Like I always saw a band, even if I thought of it as a solo thing, it was like, well, I need to find which drummer friend's going to play on this yeah. and which guitar. It, it always had to have musicians. Yeah. And yeah. so, like, when when you were growing up, was it kind of music from the start, or was there anything else you were thinking of doing? Any other possible career paths? No, it's always it's no? been music since I was a kid. Yeah, like yeah. I got into, I, I did like, you know, I did some acting in high school. Like, you know, I got into like anything creative. I was always really into art and acting, and I did like some comedy stuff and. Anything that was like expressive and artistic, I always was drawn to. Um, but as far as like career path or what I wanted to spend my life doing, it's never been anything but music focused. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so, like, what what kind of like tips or advice would you give to maybe someone just now starting a new band? And they're like trying to get their name out there, something like that. Yeah, as far as getting your name out there, I don't know, play shows, just the same old advice. There's never any novel advice. Um, as far as doing it, it's just keep doing it. Like, I've been in so many bad bands, and I've made so many bad songs, you know? It's like, it's just like anything in life, I guess. It's just, you just do it and do it and do it, because mm-hmm. if you love it, it's worth it's worth continuing to do it. And every time you do it, you're going to learn something and grow and get better at it, but... Uh, I mean, getting your name out there, that's like a permanent struggle, I think, until you reach some level, I assume. Mm-hmm. I'm not there. <laughs> but, yeah, you just, I'm just, it's, it feels like, like some Sisyphus kind of like, just keep pushing, just keep yeah. going. Yeah, I mean, I've never thought of it as anything else. Mm-hmm. And yeah. so was there, was there ever kind of a moment that you kind of decide, okay, like, now I'm going to start taking this music stuff seriously i want to do this for a living i want this to be my main source of income or has it just kind of always been like that well it always wanted to be what i did so i i think more so than a moment that made me decide to do this it was a series of moments of rejecting doing anything else like when all my friends you know i tried out college for a bit and it didn't really work out for me. I didn't like it. And yeah. I love learning and I love uh, having smarter people than me teach me things as often as possible in life and, and, you know, finding people to mentor me. But I never jived in school. And then when other friends started looking for careers, like I felt like I had my career, whether or not it was thriving or working at the time, it, I, it never felt like a choice to do this because yeah. I had been doing it my whole life and it was always the center of my focus. It's like, and then, and then as a result, like, you know, obviously when I was 18 or 19, I'm not in a famous band. So I also produce an engineer, like I'm talking to you from my studio right now. So it was like, mm. let me, I just kept making decisions of like, okay, well, if I'm not famous, which I never intended or counted on being, but if that's not happening, like, oh, what can you do in music to support staying in music? Yeah. And so let's work at studios and let's learn how to make records and, and produce records and engineer them. So it's more so a choice of like a moments of saying like, yeah, no, I'm not going to go do something else. Just constantly yeah. rejecting the idea that I, that I can't or I shouldn't do this. Yeah. And so for college, did you end up dropping out of college early? Uh, yeah. Yeah. I went to like a community college. I left early. Um, 
which is a bummer because I do like I do value. I mean, I, I there's always going to be a part of it. It's like, man, I wish I could yeah. get a college degree, but I'm not, I don't regret anything. My life's worked out very nicely. Yeah. But um, yeah, I ended up studying a little bit of uh, audio engineering for like a year at this kind of trade school, and then as soon as I could, I got a job at a studio, and that's more of like I would say that felt that felt like my education, like my higher learning was like getting into studios with people who are you know, very experienced and really talented and just yeah. getting to watch and ask questions. And that's where I learned a lot about what I do. Yeah. And so when, when you kind of made that decision to drop out of college, what was like, did you have any sort of discussion with your parents? What did that look like? Were they yeah. supportive of it? Were, did they want you to no, stay in no. school? Uh, um, I mean, of course they wanted me to stay. My parents, my parents both uh, uh, immigrated here from Cuba and you know, my mom went back to school when I was a kid, uh, and she went to UCLA and graduated with honors and became and went on to a good, great law school and became a lawyer. And I got to watch her do this, and it's something like I admire in her very much. And it always it always inspired me to want to get a college degree. So I wasn't necessarily excited about dropping out. I just sucked at school, and it wasn't working for me, and it wasn't making me happy or feel like I was achieving anything. Um, I, they wanted me to continue, but I don't think it was a conversation as much as I just told them I'm not going back. And mm-hmm. it was, you know, it caused some some problems and trouble, but nothing, you know, we're still all very close and love yeah. each other and yeah. support you. And they, and they support they support what I do in life constantly now. Like they're a great supportive force. But yeah, no, it was it's a, it's a difficult decision. Um, yeah. But you know, it was the right one for me at the time. So and, and so, how did that kind of help you do you think going going to these actually being in the studio learning how to engineer learning how to produce how was that kind of different from learning in like a classroom sort of setting or like in a school setting yeah so getting to do both um with engineering i did go to a short bit of school for it i graduated from a short program and that was really helpful the way i always like people always ask me like do you think engineering school is necessary like people who work with me at the studio younger people and i'm like no i don't believe it to be necessary but it can be cool. Like the school I went to, I always say what it provided for me that was important before I got to those studios is like a very basic, I, mean, I had never been in front of a big recording console. I had never, mm-hmm. I had my eight track and I had a little Pro Tools rig and I understood, I taught myself how to record in this like home recording sense, but I had never worked at a proper studio. So school for engineering off in a classroom, they had these studios I could book out all through the school with all different kinds of consoles and tech. And it was like, okay, well, I'm just going to book out the studio and then sit there and learn how to use each console. And then you kind of get an understanding of signal flow and how a studio works. And that was crucial. I'm so grateful for that. But as far as the practice of making records and um, decision-making in the studio, that was all in the studio. You can't learn mm-hmm. that in the classroom because it's. Yeah. I really feel like, like in most art forms, it's really important to find people you look up to or who are making things that you think are great. And if you're lucky enough to be in a position where you have access to them making it and ask them how they do it and get advice and just kind of be a fly on the wall as much as possible and, and kind of like glean what you can from their, from their great work, that's, that works so much better for me because I felt like I'm not just sitting in a classroom talking about or studying. I am actively learning while it's happening. Like yeah. the thing I want to know about is happening directly in front of me. You kind of like everyone that makes something creative kind of learns their creative process along the way somehow, but it's hard to kind of yeah. teach a creative process or like teach how to, cause there's no one way to do it. It's kind of 
different for everyone and everyone has their own ways of doing it yeah. own styles and just yeah and just as much as seeing someone do something great that you're like oh my god i can't believe i witnessed that and like I know how, like, how they're figuring out their tones and I know how they're miking things and I know how they're engaging with an artist while they record them. Those are great things to witness. But just the same, it's also important to witness friction, to, to encounter situations where you're like, well, I don't like the way that sounds or I don't like the way they're talking to that person or I don't like the way they're talking to me or the people around. Like, Just as much as witnessing greatness or things that you find to be great, it's important to witness things you don't like in a practical environment because then it forms you and you kind of get to like create this individual filter of like here's what i picked up that i really love and here's what i want to be different from what i saw you know and that ultimately helps you inform who you are yeah it kind of helps you get your own sound rather than sounding too much like this artist or another one yeah and i think in the studio like one of the most important things like school oftentimes can be telling you you know this is how you do things here's how this works this is how you do it and going into a studio with professionals who have been doing it for decades, like, oh, that's instantly dumb. Like, it's, you know, nothing works anyway. There is no right way to do things. Yeah. Like, I like doing it this way. This guy only uses this this mic in this way. This guy uses it everywhere. Yeah. Like, you want to be able to, you want to instantly throw out everything and just kind of go, nothing matters. If something makes the artist and you happy, it's, it's awesome. So, like, studios just teach so much. And it also informs songwriting because I get to watch these people work on songs and I, you know it's every aspect of it it's like to me a studio is a playground and a musical school like yeah. everything from making music to recording music to writing music it's happening all around you at varying degrees of talent like incredible once in a lifetime i've gotten to see things where i'm just like ah, oh, i can't believe i got to witness that and then there's times where you're like oh this sucks and here's why i think it sucks you know yeah. like it's just you're learn you're learning constantly yeah and so like there are kind of like a few things that are big big for any recording artist or band is like being in the studio like you said kind of learning what a concert does knowing that whole setting another one of those is playing live getting getting actual experiences playing in front of a crowd what was your first live show like either just in general your first ever or your first as no win so my first live show ever was that a rented like event ballroom um some kids in my school were like you know rented out a ballroom and were throwing a punk show and i don't remember playing it because i probably blacked out from nerves i was like 14 or 15 and it was my first band and we were like playing original songs so i was like first time i'd ever done that terrifying uh probably sucked and then the first no win show by then i mean i spent from 14 on like i toured constantly when i was younger as, as often as i could i would like first tour when i was 17 and Every time I had the money or the time, it's like get in a car or get in a van and go play basements and coffee shops. And I did that for all of my teen years and most of my like early 20s as well. Um, so the first No Win show, by the time I did that, that was in 2015. Um, and it was just like a side solo project thing where I was making demos and putting them on Bandcamp. Like it wasn't really a serious band. It was just something to film because my band that I was in before that had broken up and I just wanted to do something. Yeah. Uh, and I was at this... Uh, like DIY punk space that's no longer around in, in LA called uh, Pear Space. And I had my best friends playing in the band with me and David, who still plays no one, played played that show with us. Um, and yeah, it was great. And by that time, it's like playing the show just felt comfortable. And like, it's fun to play new material. And it just, like by that time, it felt like routine. 
not in a bad way, but in like, I felt comfortable doing it and debuting like new songs felt awesome. Yeah. And so be, being so young, like you said, 17, how did you kind of go about uh, kind of the logistics of those tours? Did you have an artist, like a manager label behind you or no. were you, were you doing it all? And if, if no, it, I've, 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 I've actually never had a, manager and danger birds the first label that i've been signed with um with no one's first record that's like uh we did like two singles for them before the record but that's the first mm-hmm. time i had a label i've still never had a manager um the first one when i was 17 i was on all these like record trading forums like message boards and really into like the diy punk thing but i didn't know anything about it i was just i knew i wanted to be a part of it yeah. and there was this like empowerment of like if you want to tour just go to tour and so in like the stupidest way possible because I didn't have any friends in that community really around like me and my buddy who was my band with me we just like would go on Google and look up like live music venue and then a town and then we find the kind that would probably let us play which would usually be like some bar and grill or like you know something not yeah. cool like just will you let us play music there and then we did it we just went and we book a show over the phone from a Google listing and then we just get in the car and drive to that place and then drive to the next place. And it was fun. And that was a tour to go up and record like our first album at this studio that I looked up to that I was like, well, we're going to go to Portland to make this record. So we should just book shows along the way to try and make extra money. Mm-hmm. And then after that one, you know, then you, I got a little older, met people. And then the whole like DIY punk world, like really provides when you, start meeting people on message boards and stuff. And you're like, oh, I'm looking for a place in Akron, Ohio. Like, oh, that's a gap in my tour. And everyone will tell you, here's all the cool people I know in Akron. And you yeah. just, I spent a lot of time playing house shows and art galleries and, you know, punk spaces. Yeah. And so, like, is there that kind of just desire to work, to not, like, rather than just go straight to Portland, wanting to try to get those shows and wanting to, be playing always be working was there any one that kind of instilled that in you or did you kind of just learn that on your own i mean it it didn't feel like work at the time um i just it's i love doing that i love playing shows i love it's just cool to me and i wanted to do it but in retrospect yeah it's like weird for a 17 year old to do it that way um i i would have to think it's my parents you know like I was so young, I didn't really have that big of a world at that time, and my parents are both, like, incredibly hardworking people, so I think I grew up around, like, restlessly working people. Like, even if things are going great, that's not an excuse to, like, you know, I I, I don't know how to put it. It's like, it doesn't feel like work. Like, you kind of choose a vocation or a passion, and you you just, it's it's all I want to do. Yeah, yeah. And so, like, now especially like during and after the pandemic so many artists and bands are getting discovered from social media platforms of all kinds tiktok or otherwise like what do you think this kind of does for the music industry help it hurt it um anything like that what do you think are some of those the effects of that i don't know i mean it's definitely uh it's like one of the biggest impacts to the music industry i've seen in my time working in it it's wild Mm -hmm. I, I can't say if it's on, I, like, the optimistic side of me says it's, it's got to be good, right? Like, I love, like, as much, like, I'm not I'm not great with it. I've tried to, like, be in and out on those platforms like TikTok and stuff. And it's fine. I can see the value in it. It's just I've never found my own voice in it yet. Um, but it's, uh, I have to believe it's great because I do love hearing stories of, like, 
you know, some artist in their room saw him going viral and then they get to have this music career. It's that's beautiful. Like there wasn't tools really like that when I first started doing it. And I think it's awesome. I've also seen, you know, some negative elements of it. And like, I don't, you know, social media is just such a broad thing. I think it can be, it's a tool, right? And it's like, I think people who find a way to use it, that they're expressing themselves honestly, it's fun and it's reaching more people with their art. That's one of the coolest things I could ever think of. It's rad, but I think it can be harmful. And I think, you know, the industry is always going to find a way to like overly monetize or manipulate. There's always that to look out for, but you know, I, I try to stay optimistic about it. I think it's really cool that young musicians have a place to find an audience and and interact with them. That's awesome. Are you a music artist trying to find a way to get your music on as many streaming platforms as possible? then check out DistroKid. DistroKid is a super user-friendly and super easy-to-use service that will make your music available in stores like Spotify, Apple Music, iTunes, Amazon Music, YouTube, Snapchat, everything. Everything you could imagine, it's available. People will even be able to add your songs into their Instagram stories. DistroKid helps you with the distribution, monetization, and promotion of all of your music. Use the link in the description of this video for 7% off any DistroKid package you want. Pick from musician packages designed to help artists get their own music out there, or even get a label package where you can manage up to 100 artists from one profile. So that's more for like managers, labels, and you can also get the musician package that I mentioned earlier, which is more for artists, producers, things like that. It's super easy, and you can get 7% off any package right now with the link in the description of this video. So once again, if you're looking for a way to get your music on as many streaming platforms as possible, I'm talking any platform you can think of, get DistroKid and get 7% off right now with the link in the description back to the program when you were 17 19 however old going like trying to play shows do you think uh trying to grow your career do you think if you had something like this you would try to use it to utilize and grow your (laughs) no 100 percent yeah oh yeah yes like yeah yeah, because like i was in high school when myspace came out you know and like my band was on there instantly and you know pure volume existed and those like any type of platform that they'd invent our bands would be on yeah. and we'd be looking but they, they just weren't that i mean myspace had some big power in music for a long time like i booked a lot of touring shows through myspace for sure like i i think especially young musicians like if you give them somewhere hey you can reach other people and other musicians with your music boom they're gonna be there there's no reason not yeah. to. you know like like there's nothing to lose. Especially um, when it's it, so it, like accessible and free to anyone with internet access. Yeah. Like Yeah, it's yeah, in that way, like I said, like that's the optimistic side of me. It's incredible. Like once you've been on it for a while and you can see like the negative mental effects of it, yeah. like there's a deeper conversation. But as a tool, its existence is like I mean, it's undeniably cool. Like I, I used every tool they gave me, and if I, if if I was in high school right now, I mean, I should be using them still. But adapting things gets harder as yeah. you get older, I guess. Um, and the formats are so changed, and it's so much more labor intensive than it used to be. But, um, but yeah, it's it's awesome. It's a great it's a great tool. Yeah, and so like now, uh, kind of along with that, 
just music, the creation of music, production of music is so much more accessible. It's so much more like you go to an Apple store, their computers come with GarageBand pre-download. And yeah. You get like a little MIDI keyboard for 30 bucks on Amazon. How yeah. do you think that has helped the industry having so much more volume of artists and bands out there yeah. uh, rather than like I, the kind of limited amount that there were in their pa- in the past. Yeah. Again, awesome. Like it's just, it's, it's gotta be a net positive, right? Like putting, making music creation more accessible and less reliant on, I mean, this is coming from a guy who's sitting in a recording studio I own and work at, but like, it's great. Like putting the ability to create music and explore your creativity and have the empowerment to, learn and do it yourself without thinking you have to go pay someone like me or some studio owner. That's awesome. Like I would love to believe that a place like a studio is somewhere you want to work because you're choosing to, because you either have a connection to what's been made there or who's working there and what the space can provide. That's rad. But I never want it to be a necessity to make music. I don't want to be like, I, I like, I think a long time ago, it almost felt gay keepy-ish you know it's yeah. like oh we have to like spend all this if we want our record to sound good we have to spend all this money and you don't know if the studio in town is run by a jerk or a really cool creative person yeah. so the idea that a kid can you know save up get a laptop and like be off to the races that's incredible and, and i would i would like yeah to your point of it being like gatekeepers i i i think yeah in back in the past there was a big feeling of like you need a label to be successful because a label gets you vinyl records, it gets you radio play. Yeah. It was like the big thing there. And now we're seeing a ton of like independent artists or like just being independent, being a lot more accepted, being um, praised at times even. And so I think that's awesome. Yeah. And yeah, uh, it's, it's good. Yeah. And so when you're trying to come up with a new song or a new album, does what does that kind of process look like do you try to at least kickstart it on your own or do you from the get-go do you have people around you in the studio trying to give their feedback on how a song should go so traditionally with knowing like on the early eps and singles the first album downy i would try and write as much of it as possible alone and like it really wanted it to feel like a solo project (laughs) but then that's not to say like David Yurkovich, who's played on everything uh, no one's done, and Jeff Enzor, who played drums, and Juan Lignan, who plays guitar. Like, they were still massively influential on what ended up happening, but I liked to come in as fully formed as possible. On this new album that's coming out, Dodger Stadium, it was a totally different process. Like, me, Jeff, and David actually sat down. And, like, there is some songs that I would come in with done just because I wrote a song I really liked. Yeah. But those other ones, it's like, I kind of got this idea, and I like it, but I don't know, and we'd go line for line and write sitting down together in this control room and uh, change chords. And like, there was a lot more co-writing and a lot of collaborative writing on this record. Yeah. And so we kind of mentioned it earlier being in the studio, you hear something that maybe you don't fully agree with and you tweak it a bit to kind of get closer to your own original sound. Uh, Mm -hmm. How do you kind of balance inspiration and imitation? How do you, like learn from other artists take bits and pieces but not sound too much like them it's not really a conscious thing um i I was me and david have talked about this a lot where david gave me a lot david's a bit older than me and he was you know i learned a lot from him making music with him in the studio when i was younger and uh 
he taught me a lesson a long time ago. I was like really self-conscious about not having my own sound or I didn't feel like I was ripping anyone off, but I didn't feel like I had established any sort of identity really. And he kind of just told me like, you can't like you do it. It's a natural thing. You just be honest and it's natural and you can't not sound like you, you just can't. Yeah. And I think if, if you're honest with yourself and your collaborators in the studio and in your band, um, if something's ripping something off, we'll be like, ah, I can't do that. Like that's like someone will catch you, you know, if you don't catch yourself yeah. or you catch yourself. But beyond that, I think you just like stay honest. And if something's cool to you, you do it. And if it sounds good and right for the song, you do it. And naturally your identity will come through because I mean, I don't know if I have the ability to become someone else or to like, you know, it's just, you just have to, yeah. Just do it and be honest. It's going to come out like you. Yeah. And so, yeah. like, when, when releasing music, uh, No Win or otherwise, was there ever a song specifically or an album that you kind of put out and, like, you kind of had a preconception of how you think it might perform and it either performed, like, way better than you thought it would or, like, didn't get all the uh, traction that you thought it would? Yeah, um, yeah, there's one song, there's a single that we put out in between, it was like after Downey, but before we started doing all these new singles, this was like pre-pandemic, um, yeah. called Blood on Your Tooth, that I really liked when we made it, but it didn't really fit on the first record. I was stoked we were putting it out as like a little single on its own, just in between, you know, in yeah. between new stuff. And uh, I thought it would do fine. Like, I was like, it's a cool song. I don't know who's gonna like dig it. And uh, it's now like our highest streaming mm -hmm. song, if you take all platforms into account like on spotify it doesn't do that well but on apple it's like massively better than all our i like i still don't understand i think the algorithms at work or something yeah. but yeah that one did really well as far as not getting enough traction i mean like the discography like i want it all to get as much traction as possible so like i mean i'm grateful that it's being listened to all the time like i can't believe that anyone's listening to this stuff when i make it it's it's always a gift yeah. but like yeah, I'm always going to feel like I wanted to have more traction because I like, you know, you make something you're you, proud you of it. You want something to, it to is, get as much exposure yeah. as it can. You, you want, yeah. You inherently want to keep growing your career. Yeah, totally. And so, uh, like, as, as No Win, as this band that has now kind of found their own sound, if you will, like, is there. Is there any artist that, like, if you got a dream collaboration, you want to on a, you would want to bring into the studio to like make a song with no one or a band to collaborate? I don't with? know. Like, I, I don't know. On this on this last record, I would have said like Mario C, who did like all the Beastie Boys stuff. Like that that was like so like heavy on our head. Like his production for Beastie Boys when we were making Dodger Stadium. Um, and, like I would have loved someone like that. Um, but in the future, I don't know yet because. I feel like the dream collaborator would always be informed by what I'm making. Like, you know, there's not like one universal person. Um, yeah. It's more like, oh, for this thing that we wrote or this record that we're making, you know who would be awesome? And I don't know what's next, so we'll see. But like, I mean, it's, it's, it's also interesting because we've never worked with a producer. We've never worked with outside engineers. It's always been me and David making the stuff in our studio. So yeah. I don't know. I'm, I'd be in general, I'm excited to collaborate. Like I, if, if and when we do another record, I would really love to try that approach rather than how we've done it forever, just to see, mm -hmm. just to try something out. Yeah. And so, yeah. Uh, kind of before No Win, you had previous band experience, obviously. Like, 
how does it kind of feel for you the like slight differences from band to band and like difference in dynamics difference in sound anything like that yeah um i feel like i learned a lot about i've had like good band experiences i've had bad band experiences but as long as I we're making music that we all like it's always been musically fulfilling i think most of all i learned a lot about like communication and how you approach the situation of working with people like i wasn't great at it people i worked with weren't great at it and that usually led to a lot more discontent than anything musical like i don't know that i've yeah. ever been in a project or played with people that i found musically non-fulfilling because i probably would have just been like yeah i gotta go like it's just not like it wouldn't have been a hard decision to dip you know yeah. but um i've definitely this band feels like one it functions it still functions like the machine of it still functions kind of like a solo project where if there's something I want to do with no win, I'm going to do it. And then I'll put the word out to like the A squad of the people who play with me the most. Like, you guys want to go on this tour? You guys want to play the show? And if I really want to play it and one of them can't, it's very well accepted. Like, oh, someone will fill in. Like, it's no yeah. big deal. So in that way, it functions. So which has helped me because I'm pretty like fever brained. Like if I, if I want to do something, I want to do it. And that could lead to a lot of, uh, conflict if if you need everyone on board for everything um so that's been really helpful um and i also just feel happy like the music that we're making feels extremely fulfilling it's very exploratory and the long-term collaborators that i've had are like really down for the process of i don't know like it doesn't matter if it sounds nothing like what we did yesterday or last week like let's just it's just for the, the fun of crafting it and performing it and there's not really this like take yourself seriously aesthetic on the line of like, well, that doesn't fit who we like, what we're projecting. Yeah. Like that's out the window, which I'm so happy about. That I think is like crippling. So yeah. I do, I, that's probably the freshest thing to know. And it's just having a peace of mind of knowing like nothing matters. Like there is no rules. Like there, nothing matters. Just make what you want to make. Yeah. And so you like yeah. in a situation you kind of mentioned, if you're performing live and let's say this person can't make it. So you get a filler. Do you yeah. still just kind of say like, all right, let's play anyways and just go out there and play? Or do you feel like it's sort of different playing without like that person? Oh, it's always different, but I will still go out and play. But yeah. like, I'm, like I'm, I'm very blessed with like a community in LA and friends and like old collaborators that like there's always people I would love to play with. So even if like, like I said, there is definitely like a no win a squad and not that they're better musicians than everybody else yeah. I know it's that like we are what I consider to be like that's how I want no one to be all the time but in lieu of that if David can't make it or if Juan can't make it and Jeff like is living in Berlin right now there's always another drummer who I love and it's different than playing with Jeff there's a different guitarist yeah. than Juan but I love playing with Juan you know it it's almost it's almost fun and interesting to hear how the band can manifest with these different personalities and then like uh voices in it you know and and the parts are, are fairly written so you do get the same thing but there's a, a a change in the way people do it and so it's fun i mean there definitely is the way i would like it to be all the time but i don't want that to be this like written in stone we can't do anything if everyone's not there you know yeah yeah and so uh from i, I don't know how far back they go but i just looking at you i see dyed hair tattoos on the arm when was your yeah. first tattoo what what was that experience like what what did that mean to you uh finally I, getting a tattoo yeah uh, well, i got my first tattoo when i was 18 
I just felt like I had to. Like I like knew I always wanted tattoos when I was a kid. I thought they were cool. And it was like instantly go get a tattoo. And mm-hmm. then I got more just I don't know, whenever I could, I guess. I don't have yeah. that many compared to most people I know, you know, like yeah. so I just you just got them when I wanted to get them. It didn't really mean much. I just thought I just always thought they were cool and it's like a fun thing to do. Um and the dyed hair is recent. Like I've just been like when we were doing this, like the photos for this album, I wanted to like have this like crazy dyed hair. And then once it was short and dyed, I realized how easy it is to just like oh, get ble- or grow out. I'd be like, shave it, bleach it, and I have like a closet full of different colors now. And I'm just like, it's just another dumb fun thing to do. That yeah. is, you know, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Well, so is it is there any tattoo that you've kind of gotten with meaning behind it, or are they all kind of cool designs? They all have something behind them, but it's like, you know, no one wants to hear about what my tattoos are about. Like, it's like, they all have, they all have a story. They all have something. There's funny stories, and, and, but like, eh, none, none worth talking about. No, nothing too significant. Nothing like no, life no. altering. <laughs> no, 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 no. Yeah. No, I don't, I don't know that I, I don't know that a tattoo will ever be life alteringly meaningful. I like, I bet you there are some that I thought were when I got them. When I look at them now, I'm like, oh, that was a good day. Like, it's, it's, you know. Yeah. And so, like, now that you have all this live experience for most of your life, like, is there any one show that kind of sticks in your mind or that you just really had a good time at or, like, uh, just a favorite live show you've played? Yeah, I'm sure, like, um, we did a tour with Swerve Driver and Failure. That was, like, a kind of difficult tour in in different ways, but there there was a show in... It was at a place called the Oriental Theater. Don't remember what city it was in. I think it's in Colorado. Pretty sure. It was great. Might have been some. I don't know what state we were in. But like, there was a lot of shows on that tour. But that that show was like, it, I I can like play the the view from stage in my mind. Like, it just felt really good. And we were first of three on that tour. And a lot of the venues we played, like, there you know, the house wasn't full yet or whatever. But for whatever reason, that was slammed when we played. Everyone was super enthusiastic. It was amazing. That was really fun. Um, we played with our friends, um, Fiddler at the Regent Theater for like a Halloween show mm-hmm. years and years ago. Like I think before, I don't even think the first record was out yet. And that was rad. One, because it's like getting to play with your buddies is always fun. Yeah. And two, like their fan base is nuts. Like, you know, we were first of three on that show and at a Fiddler show, it's like, it's like a thousand cap room or something, but there's a line down two blocks two hours before doors you know yeah. so like getting to play for kids that are just like waiting to get into this fiddler show yeah. and they were super receptive and like i guarantee you 90 percent of them had hers we had no record out i don't believe and it's like maybe we did i don't know but like yeah. they were super receptive and it was fun and those kids go off like it's just like that was it was a fun show yeah and so so yeah. maybe maybe it was like while you were opening and it was another person's fan or your own or fans of your own have you had any kind of like wild fan interactions have you ever had anything like that no no like i mean like to be like honest and like humble like i don't think we have that many fans yet you know and like the fans we have like because we're still in like an opening band and we're still like new like our first record came out in 2019 in march and then a year later we fell off the face of the earth because everybody did you know um and now we're putting out our second record which feels like a second first record because it's like starting to start the whole thing back up um so i just don't think we have that many like deep fans and the fans that we do have who i appreciate very much 
they don't see us as like this thing. We like, you know, they'll just want like, we're working the merch booth after the show every night. Like, like yeah. we've gotten to meet a bunch of cool people who are, I guess would consider themselves fans, but they're just like people we might get a beer with after the show. Yeah, it's, it's still you know? very interactive, very personal. You still get to meet yeah. most of your fans rather than like some of these giant artists that like play an arena show and the fans are like, great and then just like walk out and leave without yeah. like anything like that yeah no i'm like doing merch after a set and i'm standing at the bar watching the other bands you know and then like and when we headline like if like when we headline in town and we do like club shows um i'm in the audience or at the bar drinking beer and watching the bands we were playing with because i like them so it's still like i i feel like we're just like people who play music you know in our city we're not really like these I, I don't I've never felt that like fan music. You don't kind of have you don't in your mind you're not like at a celebrity status or like no. like popular in, in status. No, no, in no way. Like I, I'm I like I, I'm grateful for everyone who listens to music and it, it does get played more than I've been played in other bands, but yeah, no, I still just feel like the same as I've always felt like it's uh, mm-hmm. it's cool to be at a show and hang out with people and me if someone says I liked your stuff and they buy your record, that's rad, but they're just like, Oh, thanks. Like they're just yeah. people. And you're like yeah. It, it seems like this is kind of the perfect situation for you, but is there is there any higher level that you want to reach with music, or I guess where like what do you want to take from music? What level do you want to reach? Do you want it? Are you just happy with it being like, hey, this is what I do. This is like my main source of income, or do you want to get like these consistent headline show, uh, tours, like playing with yeah. big crowds? Um. I want to be content with where I'm at, which I feel like I am, but at the same time, of, of course, like I, I want to play the Palladium, you know, I want to like yeah. sell out the Fonda on my own. Like I definitely want to play big shows. They're really fun. And the bigger the crowd gets, the like, it's a different feeling. I mean, I love small, there's, there's a, it's a different dynamic, you know, yeah. like a small show is intimate. You're really connected with the people you're playing with, but a big show is this other thing. And like, we've gotten to do them a few times and, it's incredible. Like I would love, I would love to experience as much of being a musician as I can. And I've put a lot, I put a lot of years into experiencing like basements and art galleries. And now I've put a lot of years into experiences, clubs and um, you know, whatever. And I, I would love to have the gift of years to experience what it's like to tour in a bus and play big shows all the time. I don't think it's a necessity to be happy about my career or my, my music at all, but who would? Who doesn't want to see these varied experiences in their craft? Yeah. You know, I would love to get a, a feeling of what it's like to be anywhere in music. Yeah, and and as you were talking about that, you were mentioning mentioning the Palladium or these other venues. Do you have sort of a bucket list or like a dream venue that you would want to play? Um. Yeah, like I love to play the Palladium. I don't really have like a. There's not like a dream one. There's a like. There's a million across the country that'd be like, oh, yeah. this place that like you know, having toured and seen a bunch. Like there's places I've gotten to play already that I didn't think I would get to. And so it's not really like a not like a dream list. It's more just like I. There's a long, long list of places I'd love to play. Yeah, yeah. And yeah. so wh- whether it's like a personal connection with just how it sounds or maybe you took a lot of time writing it. Is there a song you've released that like is your favorite or that you have a special connection to? Uh, this sounds like a cop-out answer, but it really is true. Um, Surfing, the last single we put out, 
it's mm-hmm. I mean it's always going to be something new with a musician, right? Because it's like um, I'm always most excited about because it's new. But, yeah. yeah, but no, but specifically surfing, like in the context of the new record, it was on an EP and it came out as a single, but it's going to be on the record that comes out next month. And specifically, that on this record was as like the whole creation process. It was my favorite song on the record. Mm-hmm. Like I felt like it explored the production style we were trying to go for really well. Um, David did so many cool things with the production. I did things I'm really proud of with the production and the writing is fun and it's, it doesn't overthink itself, which was like a big, it was a big uh, goal of a lot of the writing on the record. It's like, let's not try and get too heady with it. Like almost the opposite. Like let's, let's force ourselves to be less heady than we try to be usually. And like, I feel like that's not really achieved. It's like, it's the vibe I wanted and it came out just right for me. Mm-hmm. And the, the yeah. video for that is out already, right? For people to go watch. Yeah. The, yeah, the video directed by Ryan Baxley, who's like constant video collaborator with us, genius guy. Um, yeah, he directed it, and that's, that's out. It's on YouTube, yeah. surfing. All right, well, those are all the questions I had for you today. Thank you so much for coming on. Where can people find you online, uh, the uh, band? You can, yeah, you can find us on most social media platforms by typing some comments like no win LA, no win dot LA, anything like that. We're there. It's like there's a TikTok, there's an Instagram, there's a Twitter. Um, we have a website, nowin.la. You can listen to us at every streaming platform in existence, I believe. And you can purchase our records at dangerbirdrecords.com. Yeah. All right. Well, thank yeah. you again for coming on. It's been a great time. And uh, yeah, good luck with any upcoming music pro- projects you have. Cool. Thank you so much for having me. I really appreciate it. Yeah, no problem.